If you purchase supplies for a small to mid-sized business, Zorro.com, that's Z-O-R-O.com, is your go-to resource. Zorro offers tools, safety equipment, cleaning and maintenance supplies, office and shipping, automotive, industrial equipment, and more. Visit Zorro.com reset and sign up for Zedmail to get 15% off your first order. Zorro.com, all you need to make your business go. I'll watch or play a video game and think, huh, is that whole performance one actor or have they pieced it together with two or three people? I sort of overanalyze. Jessica Jeffries doesn't just like to play or watch video games. She's actually in them. About 10 years ago, she got her start in the video game industry as a motion capture actor. Those performers whose body movements get recorded and then turned into video game characters. Behind the scenes, it's a pretty cool process. With performance and motion capture, you are in a studio surrounded 360 by infrared cameras. So it's not green screen, it's something entirely different from that. You are in a Lycra suit where on all of the joints and also specific parts of the body, like your spine, etc., you have these reflective silver balls. And they send the information back to the cameras, which go into game engines and systems, and they create a digital skeleton, which can then be mapped in real time onto a character in a virtual world. So as an actress, first and foremost... I went to drama school when I trained in acting and stage combat. I just very luckily got a job in a video game. During that first job, I was just like, oh, okay, this is amazing. To me, it encapsulated everything that I became an actor for. It completely used all of the training that I had, being able to approach a character physically and also do cool stuff like creature movement or or fights and gun handling and things like that. It was all then suddenly in one perfect job. You can be a hundred different characters in a day and you could play characters that you'd never be cast as in film or TV or theatre. I've been able to be so many different weird creatures and then there's characters which are so far from you that they're really fun to play. So in um, a video game called Until Dawn, one of the characters that I played was called Jessica. Gotta try harder than that, hero. She was this beautiful blonde valley girl style character. Oh, snap! And she was so full of sass, so full of energy and life and attitude as well. So coming up with a movement style based on the voice actor's work, was so fun. I utterly loved her. She was great. (laughs) I just managed to work really regularly then over the next sort of eight years as one of the leading UK motion capture actresses. And then a couple of years ago, I decided to hang up that lycra. As much as I absolutely loved and still do love the work, There was so much that needed to change to bring the industry up to standard. And that was one of the driving forces in me moving away from acting. Today on Reset, 
we dive into the world of video game development to understand how actual humans make up the characters that gamers play and how that industry has struggled to support these performers. But first, I play a video game. How long is it going to take for me to die because I've never played this game before? Oh, I'm really bad at it too. So you will probably die instantly. Great, (laughs) cool, I can't wait. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, so we are in the Vox Media offices, and uh, I am about to enter into a room that I've never been in. Apparently, Polygon, the uh, vertical that Vox Media has that covers uh, games and entertainment, has something called the Polygon Den, where they play video games. Um, So I'm going to go check it out. And... (laughs) And the door's locked. (laughs) Hello. Hi. It's always locked. (laughs) Well, thank you for letting me in. So Allegra Frank, who covers entertainment for Vox.com and who previously reported on gaming for Polygon, uh, has just let me into the Polygon Den, um, which is quite elaborate. Do you want to describe it, Allegra? (laughs) Sure. Um, So there's a big old couch, a bunch of controllers for the different consoles scattered all around. But... Really, we're here for the the TV, this giant, nice HD TV, which is hooked up to, there's so many consoles in here. They're all kind of hidden in a cabinet to sort of try to hide that this is the nerd room. But we're going to use one specific console. We're using right. the PlayStation 4. Okay, and right what now. are we going to play? We're going to play Metal Gear Solid 5. I want to show you a little bit of that, one of my personal favorites. The story is very much filled with psychological and political intrigue. And then the gameplay is just really fun because you're playing sort of a secret agent on top of all this other drama that's going on in these very long written cutscenes. Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. So right now we're seeing something from the perspective of the main character, Naked Snake. It's a first person uh, shot. Get ready for one of the most video gamey video game openings. <laughs> Oh, he's being strangled. The liar. Okay, she's pointing a gun at Naked Snake, and we are staring down the barrel of a gun. Oh, someone jumped on her face. This is extremely elaborate. I know. This is why I love the opening of this game. This really feels like an interactive movie is what it feels like more so than a a typical conventional video game that probably most people are familiar with. This game is just a really great example of how video games are moving toward more cinematic uh, lengths now because the graphics allow for that. I think we have to stop here though at this cliffhanger. Oh right. Uh, So I can talk to you a little bit more about video games. How does that sound? You're missing the best part. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now that we're back in the reset studio, Allegra, tell me about your video game habit. So I've been playing video games pretty much as long as I can remember. I am obsessed with Nintendo games, with puzzle games. I love so many different kinds of games and Metal Gear Solid. So I've become really attached to the characters in particular over the years to the point where the lead voice actor for the main character, whose name is Solid Snake, um, (laughs) the actor, David Hayter, I had my friend... 
ask him to record a little uh, birthday message for me in character. Allegra, this is Solid Snake. I understand that you're turning 25. It's a pretty great age. Enjoy it. You should be proud of yourself. Still the best birthday present I ever got. That is the depth of my fandom of these games and games in general. Thank you so much for sharing (laughs) that with me. So actors are a big deal in video games. And let's just take a step back. Can you explain that to me? How do video games get made and where do actors come in? Video games as a medium are really diverse. So there's so many different kinds of video games, some that don't even have any characters, right? Like Tetris or Candy Crush. And then there are some games that are very detailed, very story-driven, have a lot of characterization and animation and dialogue. Those games employ a lot of actors, typically voice actors or sometimes even performance capture artists. So there's really two different kinds of ways that actors work. It's voice and performance capture. Voice actors are the ones who give the voice to the character, obviously. Like, think about any cartoon you've seen. It's the same in video games. But in video games, there's also a lot of reaction noises. So sometimes a uh, video game, (laughs) like a voice acting session, will just be someone yelling or screaming or sighing or making sounds as if they've fallen or been punched. Or been punched. Yeah, a lot of punching sounds. And in general, when somebody voices a character in video games, is it the same person who's also doing the motion capture or is it somebody different? It depends. Um, There are times when it is the voice actor doing both parts, typically for roles that are either the character bears their likeness. If the character is modeled after the voice actor as well, then they'll do the physical movements. Or if the um, character doesn't have a lot of really complicated choreography or stunts. But just like in movies where they'll have stunt doubles, if it is a fight scene or something really intense and you don't want Brad to hurt himself, um, they'll use a motion capture artist instead. Okay. So basically what you're saying is that for any given character in one of those really cinematic games like Metal Gear Solid, you might have one or two actors, sometimes even three from what I understand, actors helping create one single character. Right. So how is this different from what we see with movies that are sort of have an animation component. Is the culture surrounding that composite acting job different? For video games and animated movies, voice actors are generally the ones who are most recognized, most celebrated. They're the ones who are most popular. But in animated movies, they don't often use motion capture in the same way. If you think about Gollum in Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. even though he looks nothing like Andy Serkis, who voices him, Andy Serkis also did the motion capture. Mm -hmm. You know, Jim Carrey will do the actual physical motion capture for Scrooge in his Christmas Carol adaptation that no one saw. And I don't know why that's the first thing that came to (laughs) mind. But he also did the voice of it versus in a game like Metal Gear Solid. Kiefer Sutherland voiced the main character in the fifth Metal Gear Solid game. He did not do the motion capture for that character. So I have no idea who did the motion capture, but people were really excited that Kiefer Sutherland played Naked Snake. So when we think of that character, we just say, oh, that was so cool that Kiefer Sutherland starred in a video game. And we celebrate that and we attach that name to that game. 
instead of the fact that that is actually a character created by and composed of numerous different people performing it. How are actors reacting to this whole system? Are they happy? that this Does this system work for them? There have been issues in recent years of actors feeling as though they were underserved by game design studios, both voice actors and, really crucially, the motion capture artists. One of the people who's been talking about those issues is former actor Jessica Jeffries, who we heard from at the start of this episode. She told me about the problems she faced before she retired from acting in video games. With standard TV and film, there would be very standardized contracts and fee structures that companies could stick to. There would be guidelines available, which meant that you would get paid X amount depending on the budget of the film, and then you would get back-end payments or residual payments upon release of the film. And every time that that TV show got played again on any channel, you would get an extra fee for X amount. So it was all there in black and white for everybody to sort of stick to. And then suddenly video games come along where the distribution could be enormous. Things could be downloaded or streamed rather than just purchased as the same as a DVD or something or a cinema ticket. There's a whole lack of understanding as to what actors contribute to the project because obviously there's so much work that goes on in post by animators everybody else to make this one character come to life and then they're saying well there's a voice actor there's sometimes someone different doing the body capture sometimes someone different being the face of the character a lot of game developers creatives uh, animators directors etc that produce these projects maybe haven't come from a film or tv background and therefore just don't know what they don't know they don't know how you're supposed to really employ actors, contract them properly, pay them fairly, credit them, all of that stuff. What was the difference that you noticed in terms of how you were treated or how people understood what you were doing? (laughs) I had really weird experiences. Um, I had a couple that were that where I refused to perform some of the stuff that I was asked to because it was gratuitous violence or a scene that was really sexualized or Mm. things like that. We weren't ever told what we were working on before we arrived at the studio that day. We'd, we'd never be told anything. We'd turn up, we'd sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, and then we'll be told what it is we're working on. When you're looking at a project as well, maybe there's not always upfront understanding of the distribution levels of that project, of that video game. Mm. So how do you know how successful it's going to be? If it's an independent game dev, maybe they haven't got a distributor on board yet by the time they've started filming. And then maybe it gets picked up by Sony, like later down the line, and suddenly you're in a huge video game that's massively popular. Did that happen to you? Were you ever in a really large, massively popular video game? And did you ever end up feeling like, you know what, I could have gotten way more money out of this? Yeah, I think every one that I was in. <laughs> I, I, I worked on the whole uncontracted for the same fee, same day fee, inclusive of everything, inclusive all, of all buyouts, inclusive of all fees and usage, everything, for the whole time that I was an actor. 
there was no disparity between the level of what it was I was working on and how huge those projects were. Do you mind telling us how much you got paid as a day fee? My day fee when I started was uh, £350 a day. It's it's difficult to, because people, people will be listening and being like, she got 350 quid a day, that's loads. But when you look at it in comparison to the rest of the industry, the rest of the acting industry and how your performances are being used and distributed, that is severely, severely low. So I think there's an underlying element of, well, maybe there's less skill in motion capture than there is in voice performance, which anyone that actually knows the world at all and the work knows that that is not true. So that's why I believe that they should be acknowledged equally, because you can't tell a story without the body and voice being connected and engaging. Coming up after the break, how Jessica Jeffries has been driving for change in the UK and how a similar fight has shaken out in the US. This is Reset. Starting your own small business is no small feat. It takes a lot of late nights, early mornings, and the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you're super busy. So why not make things a little easier with FreshBooks? FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds, and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker, and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools you need when you need them, without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days. There's no catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash reset and enter Vox Reset in the how did you hear about us section to get started. That's freshbooks.com slash reset. Okay, so those problems that Jessica Jeffries talked about before the break, she spent the last few years trying to address them in the UK. And to do that, she's been working on standardizing contracts for video game actors. And recently, she's made some headway. So November last year, I held a meeting with about 30, 35 industry professionals. So we, had, we did have a couple of actors within there, but we also had motion capture studios, game developers, agents, animation studios, equity. It's a union here for performers in the UK. And I hosted this conversation to say, right, this is where the industry is. This is where it's at. And this is where I think we need to go. And I gave them all a copy of a draft agreement and we tweaked it and we looked at it and we added stuff and we took it away. And people said, this isn't clear and actually we'd like this put in. And we just had such a great conversation, which meant that it felt like what we're creating in terms of guidelines and a contract is going to be as fair as possible for everyone involved. We have a draft contract, which is going through final stages with the legal team at Equity. Um, 
which would be available for any studios and all game developers and VFX departments or anyone in the UK. Once this process is complete, the use of this contract will be entirely voluntary, which means things might not change right away. So in the meantime, Jessica is doing what she can. Now I cast actors for all of those sorts of projects on every occasion. Every time I'm casting a new project and I feel like I have fought for fair fees, guidelines and contracts for the actors, it feels like such a huge win for me. Every actor I've ever cast in a game gets paid infinitely more than I ever got paid as an actor. (laughs) What Jessica wants to see, better pay and better work conditions, that happened in the U.S., at least a little bit, for voice actors in the gaming industry. Allegra Frank, associate culture editor at Vox.com, walked me through this recent history. The issues were mounting for a long time that eventually the voice actors, the video game voice actors, who are all unionized in the uh, Screen Actors Guild alongside film and TV actors, they went on strike. They boycotted the video game companies that employed them because they felt as though they weren't being properly compensated and they wanted more protections in the contract. When did the strike start and how long did it last? The video game voice actors went on strike in the fall of 2016 and then they continued to boycott the video game companies until about a year later in 2017. So what exactly were their demands at the time? The most important thing they were going for in their boycott and their renegotiations for a new contract was royalties. If a game makes $2 million or sells 10 million copies, that's a lot of money. Games cost $60. But voice actors don't see any of that. After they've done their work, that's it. So the voice actors in the union were upset about that and wanted to see some compensation after video game sales hit a certain threshold. Hmm. So what was the outcome of the strike? Uh, The voice actors who were in the union, SAG-AFTRA or Screen Actors Guild, they ended up getting the bonus compensation that they fought for, which means they get additional compensation per certain number of sessions um, that they do. So after they hit a certain number of sessions, recording sessions, they'll get increased amounts of money beyond that initial fee that they set. Okay. Unfortunately, the royalties aspect still is kind of up in the air. They didn't quite work that part out. Publishers definitely are really protective of the uh, profits they're making from video games. So that's not quite part of the uh, bargaining agreement that they came down to. But the bonus compensation is huge. Being able to continue getting paid after the initial fee is a really big win for them. And another big part of the... uh, renegotiations was getting to know what the game actually consisted of. So a lot of the times video games are just like developed in secret and they don't want the name to leak out because there's like big announcement cycles around video games. But that even includes voice actors not getting to know what the project is when they sign on to it. So part of the contract they ratified was they get to know if the game is going to include any profanity or sexual content or racist slurs in the script, and they get to know at least the code name so they have some sense of the project. And if it's an established property or if it's a sequel, they get more details than they originally got. So, Allegra, you're a gamer. You obviously care a lot about this stuff. You care a lot about the actors. 
but like real talk. <laughs> Why should non-gamers care about this? This issue is bigger than video games, I think. It is really applicable to any sort of animation or film or TV, any project that uses an actor or their likeness and puts them in really tough, really grueling situations, right? And to not be properly paid for that or recognized for that, to not be safe and protected when performing, that is, that's just not a healthy business practice. It's just not a way to cultivate good, safe art. But also, as we move toward having even more advanced graphics and technology and we start using the actors' likenesses for these characters, those likenesses, I mean, that belongs to you. Someone is messing around with a character that looks like and sounds like you, and you're just getting paid once for it. And maybe that game is going to be played by 10 million people. 10 million people are going to walk around being you, and it doesn't belong to you anymore. So it also is sort of a bigger question of, does your face and person belong to you still when other people are designing characters and video games and movies around them? It's kind of a, it's like a philosophical question even of we should get to own who we are and determine who gets to do what with us and see proper pay for that if we're giving ourselves away. Allegra Frank is an associate culture editor for Vox.com. This is Reset, and I'm Ariel Duemras, but you don't have to say it that way. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Special thanks to Oliver Hollis-Lake of the MoCap Faults and journalist Anya Van Wagtendonk. Skylar Swenson, Will Reed, and Bird Pinkerton produced the show. Our engineer is Eric Gomez, and Sahil Ansari also did some engineering for us this week. Our intern is Daniel Marcus. Golda Arthur is our executive producer. Liz Kelly Nelson is the editorial director of Vox Podcasts. The mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder composed our theme music. Reset is produced in association with Stitcher and we're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back on Tuesday. Later, nerds. This is the nerd room. <laughs> <laughs>